Welcome to the Achieve Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Feldman, and each month we explore the research, strategies, successes, and even the failures behind some of today's best fundraising and marketing for causes. As we explore each one of these, we'd like to invite different types of guests that will explore their own unique takes on what really works today and will leave us a little intrigued on what they're working on for the future. This podcast is supported in partnership with the Festival of Children Foundation. This month, we'll be exploring the research behind some of the biggest PSAs in the country. As our guest, Tony Felina with the Ad Council joins us for a great conversation around what changes behavior and how do we get more people to act? Tony Felino is the Senior Vice President for Research, Strategy, and Evaluation. In this role, he leads an array of qualitative and quantitative research studies, takes an active role in advising the strategic development of a number of Ad Council campaigns, and oversees the campaign evaluation research team. We are excited to have Tony joining us this month on the Achieve podcast. Tony, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm so happy to be talking with you today, Derek. Um, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I have to kind of give a little disclosure. I am a part of the Ad Council. Uh, I'm on the advisory board, and you and I have known each other for a little while now as as we've been trying to figure out a couple projects and working on a, uh, on a few things. But uh, but I'm, I'm excited that you're here to talk about really what you're researching and finding from some of the campaigns, some of these huge campaigns for social change that you're working on. So much appreciated. Uh, so, so for those that may not know, Tony, maybe why don't you give us a little bit of the Tony story? How did you get to the Ad Council? Give us some background. The Tony story should give hope to people, young people who don't know what they're doing with their lives and are a little bit concerned <laughs> and, you know, might not uh, realize that you could fall into something great, which is what happened to me. Um, I, after, after undergrad, I, I was in grad school in sociology and I wasn't really quite sure what I wanted to do. I, I was always, I always liked research and um, understanding how people think and interact. And I always had a strong interest in social justice, but I really had no idea what I was going to do. And um, I uh, had a job at a place called Public Agenda where we did mostly polling and public policy sorts of research and it was a very good gig and the Ad Council was one of our clients and that was well over 15 years ago and I, I um, and something came up and I hopped over to the Ad Council as a research manager and um, I said well it's market research it's not my actual thing but how hard can it really be and then I found out it's really really hard <laughs> yep. and actually helping um, design and um, implement and evaluate these campaigns and so much has changed over since I've started, but you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful intellectual challenge, but it's also uh, quite a challenge. And I've, I, I like to say that I, I learn every day, but it's, um, it's a great job because you get to combine some sort of, um, you know, sort of analytical skills and sort of um, creative skills, uh, your left and right brain and all for a good cause. So it's a, it's a really meaningful, uh, uh, job, which is why I've been there for so long. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for, for those that don't know, what is the Ad Council? Well, you might just associate us with, you know, TV PSAs that, uh, for those of you who are listening who might be a little bit older, you know, like Smokey Bear, um, Wildfire Prevention, or Friends Don't Let Friends Drive Drunk, or yeah. The Crying Indian. Those are sort of iconic ones, but um, that's um, part of our history. But it's so little of what we do now. The best way to describe the Ad Council is we're, we're borrowing all the most innovative and cutting edge techniques from the media, marketing, and tech world. 
and applying them to social uh, social issues and uh, social justice issues. And um, the idea is not only to raise awareness, but to drive engagement and to really inspire people to make a change in order to either help themselves or their family or their community. Um, so we run about 35 public service communications campaigns, full 360, very heavily reliant on digital and social um, throughout um, each and every year. Um, we have a pretty big docket and uh, our issues range from public health issues like diabetes prevention and, and um, hypertension to safety issues like drunk driving prevention, community issues, environmental issues, um, you name it. Um, it's, 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 a great, it's a great place to work because you get to learn about so many really fascinating issues. Each one has a different audience, different objective, different call to action, but um, it's, it's a place where really, you know, we're working with the best in class in the, the for-profit sector, um, in the commercial marketing sector, who are applying their skills in terms of creative and digital and you know, um, media support, um, all those different things, all in the service of public good. All right, well, let's dive in. Obviously, uh, Tony is the SVP of research for the Ad Council. Your job is looking at and understanding how people are behaving with campaigns that you put out there. Let's talk about successful campaigns. From the time that you started with the Ad Council to now, what in your view makes a successful campaign especially from the research side. Well, I, I, I was, I'll talk a little bit about how um, campaigns have changed over time, over the past decade or so, but there's some sort of salient characteristics that all successful campaigns share. Um, people would ask me, well, what, what works? And I always say, well, it depends. That's not a very good answer, um, but there are some. That's a famous consulting answer, right? It just depends. <laughs> it just depends. It just depends. It's, everything's different. It's apples to oranges every, every time. But there are actually some common denominators of very successful campaigns, whether they be big, huge um, national efforts to everything down to the uh, smaller local efforts, um, both here and abroad. Um, the first, and this won't be surprising for me, is uh, do your homework, research, research, research. We're, we're often sometimes sort of tempted to um, put out a message that we agree with or resonates with us, but not necessarily with our target audience. So we're obligated to listen to those we're trying to reach. And that involves some uh, primary research with them. Always have measurable objectives. You know, what are we working towards? Let's talk about key performance indicators, KPIs at the first meeting rather than the meeting in the middle of the process. Right, right. Talk about how we're going to measure success. Um, a big one is simplicity. I, I work with lots of clients who are, you know, who are deep into an issue. They're passionate about it. It could be climate change. It could be oral health. It could be anything. And there's a, a raft of information they want to sort of get out there to, to their audiences. And it just doesn't work. It's just um, it's just too much. And so keeping it simple, concise, and compelling is a core piece of any good campaign. Also giving people uh, something to do. Um, awareness in and of itself is great, but lots of times you'll see an appeal or a message and like, wow, that was really moving, but what do you actually want me to do? That's got to be really clear. And um, along those lines, I, I, I always counsel that, that the best campaigns have an emotional component. Emotion yeah. will, will trump rationality each and every time when it comes to moving people to act. And I, I think um, it could be different emotion. It could be joy. It could be uh, it could be anxiety. It, it could be all sorts of different emotions. Um, but it has to reach your heart as well as your head. And um, 
Um, another piece of it is creative excellence. There's lots of not in just the, my world, but in the commercial marketing sector too. Most uh, creative work out there really isn't that good. It's kind of mediocre. It's, uh, it's not really all that compelling. And uh, I would say never ever settle. Creative excellence is so important. Um, and then along with that, you know, lots of, there's lots of organizations out there who uh, have wonderful you know, digital programs or video forms and just really lovely pieces of creative work, but nobody ever sees them. You know, nobody ever interacts with them. You need to get it out there and you need a media mix that's both broad and deep and, and as targeted as possible. And, and that's something that, you know, the Ad Council, we spend a lot of time on that as well. And then just the last one, and I think Derek, even your audience, I think is um, so critical and it's something that communicators don't think often enough about, social utility. And I think that's something, what that means is, what are we doing? We're not, we're not just talking at people. What are we doing to help people um, to empower them to make a change and that could be a digital solution of some sort. But what are we bringing to the table? You know, it's not what we want people to do. How are we going to help them change? And I think that's been a big thing uh, over the next, over the past, I think, two or three years, there's been more and more talk about digital innovation. Those are the, those are the core components. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Tony, from your perspective, you mentioned that some of the campaigns have changed over time. What, what have you noticed has really been changing uh, over history with these kinds of campaigns? Well, the obvious change is due to the, the uh, media uh, and digital environment. I. It was very simple to achieve reach and scale for the Ad Council 10 years ago through really, you know, through TV, broadcast, outdoor. Um, that's no longer the case, obviously. I, I think um, attaining good reach among your audience is so challenging. Um, that's that's the big that's the big um, issue for for everyone out there. Um, you know, and the other part of that is since. Uh, uh, you know, because of digital and social, everyone has a mic out there. You know, everybody has a mic. They have a podium to speak from, large and small. And and it's um, there's lots of there's lots of clutter, and it's not just marketing clutter. It's just there's lots of attention is the name of the game these days. Trying to capture people's attention is much much more difficult because of just there's just so much clutter out there. On the positive side, the thing that changed, and this is the obvious one, I think, they're just you know today there are ways to engage people on digital platforms that are not only fun and, you know, unique, but they're also quite effective and, you know, in a way that a TV advertisement or a billboard could never be. And it actually gets people not only learning more about the issue, but um, spreading words about the causes in ways that are um, really were unimaginable uh, when I first started um, in, in this work. So that's, that's the biggest um, upside. Uh, to everything I've, I've been seeing right now. And Tony, in terms of, the, because one of the key things you're doing is looking at behavior change, right? You even talked about KPIs at the beginning and understanding that we're trying to get some individuals to do something, think something, and behave differently. How do you know when you've done that? I mean, what, what is it that you look at these campaigns and say, this is successful in terms of behavior change? Well, it really depends on the behavior. And, and um, you know, we have many different ways to measure it. I will say, um, there's lots of work out there, sort of laboratory-based work. I mean, we do our own as well, where you know, we show people, you know, creative different words and see, well, would you do something about this? And would you know, what do you think about it? And you, you get their their reactions. And we have lots of ways to do that. But it's not only until the work is actually in market, it's in the field, and you're 
you know, is actually out there is you know, when you're actually seeing if it's actually really moving the needle in terms of behavior change. Sometimes the behavior is so easy to measure that it's, you know, it's not even a challenge. We work with Meals on Wheels and we want more people to sign up for Meals on Wheels to be a volunteer. And, you know, that's really we're, we're basically recording how many people are signing up for it and we're seeing tribute that to the campaign. But when you're talking about a behavior like drunk driving prevention, right? So, uh, you know, people are not going to sort of uh, be as much as you would like about how often they get behind the wheel when they're um, over the limit, right? So, but there are ways to actually ask in surveys in terms of self-reported behaviors. And we do a lot of survey work, a lot of tracking survey work. So frequently we'll say, what is that one behavior we want to change? And I think you want, might be safer hypertension and high blood pressure when we want people to take certain steps to monitor, um, you know, their their, uh, their health and maintain a more healthy blood pressure. And, and that's all embedded in the campaign. And then we run tracking surveys nationally among the target audience. And we see if people are taking those steps, if actually a higher proportion of our audience are doing so. And if so, can we associate that statistically with, um, you know, awareness of our campaigns or and it could be due to other factors as well. Um, but so the short answer to your question is either a digital sort of engagement mm -hmm. uh, metric or it's a, it's a survey based metric. Well, well, let's dive into a couple of uh, some of your recent work, uh, I think. Uh, one of them is the Love Has No Labels campaign. I mean, this is one of the most successful campaigns, too, right? In Ad Council history. Yeah, I mean, you hear a lot about viral hits and, and you know, what, what does a viral campaign this is truly the Ad Council, our largest viral hit, and viral in, in, in such a good way because the power of this campaign is the fact that it's not only been viewed but also shared and commented upon so much on digital. It's really um, a digital first campaign. And the idea behind the, the campaign is a, such a beautifully simple one. It's on such a sort of grim issue, which is diversity and inclusion. The, um, the biases that we, we all have uh, when it comes to issues like religion, um, sexuality, gender, um, physical ability, um, age. So, you know, it's this notion of we, we all have biases. What can we do to recognize them and um, try to mitigate them? You know, that sounds really serious and dry, doesn't it? And I, I think the beauty of the campaign is the fact that um, regardless of where you are, what your identity is, how you bias you actually feel you may or may not be, there's a recognition that love is sort of an underlying force that, you know, overcomes difference and overcomes boundaries and helps us recognize maybe some some biases that we might have in ourselves. And so that's how Love Has Done Labels came to be about. A very key sort of insight born out of research, but also just sort of a, a human truth as well. And, um, you know, the goal is really, you know, to, to try to get people um, to think about difference and diversity and inclusion in a, in a new way, in a sort of celebratory way. And um, that's been the whole goal of the campaign from the get-go, and it's gotten enormous exposure and um, some pushback from some quarters, but, um, you know, also a lot of um, people have truly been sort of touched by it, affected by it, inspired by it. Yeah, because in, in this in this one, Tony, you're going after changing, um, sort of changing either the conversation or the belief system that somebody has um, from there. And, you know, with more than 58 million people looking at it on YouTube, which is crazy, I just pulled it up to make sure yeah. and get the latest number, of course. 
Um, and you also set up Love Has No Labels as a website, and there's some resources there. Do you do that often with a lot of the campaigns, is develop all these different resources as well? Oh, sure. If it's just an ad or just a nice piece of video, I don't. that does not a campaign make. I mean, I think it used to be called fulfillment. You know, what are, where are we driving people to, to not only learn more, but interact, engage. And, you know, it used to be simply a site, but now that we have many more options in terms of apps, sites, we do quizzes, there's there's lots of different things. So we have a whole group here that's just involved in, um, you know, what go, what's beyond the advertising? How do we engage people digitally? How do we educate, inform, inspire, um, particularly online? And so that's a huge part of what we do. Tony, talk about the one that you're working on, I think foster care, right, and adoption? Foster care and adoption from foster care is one of those issues that nobody really quite thinks about a lot, or it's a heartbreaker of an issue. And I'll just say there's there's 400,000 kids who are in the, the, uh, the foster care system right now. About 115,000 are, are eligible for adoption. And, and um, these are not cute um, infants, little babies. Um, these are mostly kids who are older, um, age eight plus. Um, some have special needs. Um, some are in sibling groups, and um, all of them are in need for uh, stable home life. And, um, you know, I, I spoke to lots of kids and professionals and social workers. It's just really a sad issue, and um, it's a distressing issue. But through research, I, I think we decided that we weren't going to make this a sad and poignant campaign about the needs of kids. We really talked to prospective um, parents, and the idea was we, we can't convince somebody in a campaign to take a take a child permanently into their home right, you know it's right. have 30 seconds right but we just want to pique their interest and in, in, in drive inquiries uh, the, among the five percent of the or so of the population of you know at least somewhat considered uh, adoption um from from the foster care system and so that was our goal and we came up with a strategy that really relied on this notion of you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent and that might sound a little bit risky it sounds like we're lowering the bar uh, but it's not it's it's really uh, the notion that you, the you know, you with all your best meaning as a parent, part of the fun and, and joy and also the pain of being a parent are all these little moments where your heart is in the right place, um, but you're just not quite getting it right, uh, particularly with, with teenagers, which is a, a sort of core group that we, we want to uh, get placed into uh, loving homes. So it's a series of vignettes, a series of stories. It's all about storytelling, these little minor family moments um, that you, that that um, prospective parents can see that they can experience if they, they adopt a child uh, for foster care. And it's been um, not only millions and millions of uh, visits to the, the website to learn more about the process and, and things like that, but to the best of our measurement, we've inspired over the past 10 years, more than 24,000 um, adoptions. Wow, and, uh, congrats. Of, of children, um, um, in the foster care system. And again, these are kids who are, uh, majority of them are over the age of eight. Many of them are teenagers. And um, it's, it's, it's one of the ones that really warms my heart. And, and each one of those 24,000, I am a numbers guy. I, I, you know, I look at numbers all the time. should be, right? But, right. But at the same time, each one of those numbers is a human story. And it's, it's a beautiful story in, in most cases. And it's um, something... Um, that the, the human element of results and metrics is something that we can't ignore as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well. so before we finish up here, a couple more questions, Tony. One is, uh, let's say you're a small medium organization, you don't have a research staff, you don't have a Tony on board. 
what what should you do? I mean, in terms of measurements, especially when it comes to awareness building or getting your message out there, and and because I think we're now. Um, have the capabilities to do a lot of measurements more than we have in the past. But what do you recommend for that small group? Well, I think, you know, it's stuff I, you know, I, I can't say everybody should have a research person on staff, but I think everybody should try to do research who's working in the space. And there are a variety of, you know, people who are freelancing that you do for limited engagements, um, both to do upfront research and also, um, you know, to help with evaluation work that's not so costly. But to your point, there's lots of things you could just discover online on your own. And I think one of the big trends in research right now is a passive data collection where you're doing um, social listening. So you're, there are tools out there that are relatively inexpensive. You can basically scrape social media to see how people are talking about your issue, who the influencers are, um, where you can get around. You can collect data on that. And it's it's quite good. Uh, some people call it the world's biggest focus group. Um, so that's one method right there. Um, there are other digital analytics as well. Once the campaign is out there, that's all free. I mean, Google Analytics is free. Facebook um, offers free analytics. Things like that on the major platforms that as long as you get a little bit of training on how to, uh, how to access these platforms and look at the numbers, it's, it's not really all that hard. So you can stretch a very small research budget uh, you can stretch a dollar on it uh, quite a bit, um, which I would totally recommend because one of the things that distresses me, and it's really not the fault of anybody, it's just a resource issue. It's I look at a lot of campaigns that seem like they would be successful and they're shown to me, but nobody really has any idea of what they are because nobody's really thought about right. uh, measurement or evaluation. And then, you know, it becomes a one-off. You don't really know if it worked or not. You didn't really learn anything from it. And it's not really sustainable. You need that accountability built in there. And, and it doesn't need to be super duper expensive. All right. Uh, so let's talk about the future. Based upon what you're seeing in the data and everything, I mean, where where is sort of these awareness campaigns for social change going? Well, the number one trend, and this is the same thing in the commercial marketing sector, it's the role of digital, the power of digital, being quote unquote digital first. And that's like a pat answer. But I think the trend now is what does that really mean? What does it really mean to be digital first? Digital is a huge, you know, a huge expanse of everything from search to targeted, you know, text to imagery to um, online video to display. There's lots of components of digital right now, what's going to work for you? And I think the winners out there, the most successful ones are going to be the ones who master this, who are, who are really masters of digital and, and are able to learn from their advantage. The beauty of digital, one of the nice things about it is, is it's quite trackable. It's um, You can actually make adjustments as you go in the short term versus you know, releasing a big broadcast campaign and waiting for six months and hoping to see if something happens. Digital is trackable uh, in the minutiae. And I think, so that's a huge trend right there. Um, the other big one that I would see, um, and it's not a trend in research so much, but um, the role of uh, corporate involvement and, and um, CSR in the space. It used to be sort of a sideline for, for many industries, but now it's central. I think um, we've always had great corporate partners, the Ad Council, but um, companies are realizing, particularly with millennial consumers, that purpose-driven marketing is not a... Um, nice to have, it's a need to have. It's, it's something that should be core to their values in uh, public service and giving back. So 
Uh, it used to be sort of just governments and nonprofits sort of out there doing their thing. Now I, I see the corporate sector with all of its cloud and all of its expertise is um, playing a much larger role. Hey, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Any uh, any campaign coming out uh, very soon that we should all be aware of? Well, um, we just uh, two days ago released a new round of our diabetes prevention campaign, type, type 2 diabetes prevention, by alarmingly high uh number of the American percentage of the American public is uh, uh, pre-diabetic right now so some actually actually fun um, charming work and uh, not not drab public health work so that's coming out right now um, we've always have, have something uh, coming out and um, it's, it's it's not like we launch and, and um, stop that's right <laughs> every uh, current every campaign needs 24 7 nurturing you know and cultivating and amplifying and that it's 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 um it's always on always on is, is what we say well tony hey thanks so much i really appreciate it uh for joining us and we'll make sure that we direct everybody in the resource guide to the adcouncil.org i would love it thanks so much derek really enjoyed it well thanks so much for joining us on this edition of the achieve podcast we look forward to next month where we'll be helping you as marketers and fundraisers raise the public support awareness and adoption for the important work you do 